first we'll go a little deeper into foundational narratives. Then we'll discuss so-called weaponized narratives, or just plain narratives. As we've discussed, there was a cognitive revolution occurring some 70,000 years ago, long after the development of early spoken languages and the establishment or the established use of literal statements, such as, for instance, there are more saber-toothed tigers near our tribal oasis, so we need to be more careful. For many, the appearance of abstract stories marks the dawn of human history. Humans were eventually drawing creative abstract designs from 40,000 to 10,000 years ago so that a narrative could be copied, memorized, extending a civilization's reach over the span of a continent and for generations. At a certain point in evolution, only abstract instruments and tools could reach beyond otherwise untraversable physical limitations. According to renowned archaeologist David Wengro, in Africa 50,000 years ago, hunter-gatherers were already creating huge networks, social networks covering large parts of the continent. Going on to quote Wengro, in Ice Age Europe 25,000 years ago, we see evidence of individuals singled out for special grand burials, their bodies suffused with ornamentation, weapons, and even what looks like regalia. So, and this is me inserting myself here, but something that could only occur with abstract foundational narratives, things that happened with no practical purpose. In around 11,000 years ago in the Middle East, hunter-gatherers constructed enormous stone temples. In North America, long before the coming of maize farming, indigenous populations created the massive earthworks of Poverty Point in Louisiana, capable of hosting hunter-gatherer publics in the thousands. Then this allowed the first chiefdoms 7,500 years ago, the first kingdoms 5,000 years ago, and the first empire 4,000 years ago. Such realities also allowed tribes themselves outside the sphere of empires to become even more united. And this unity, this power of tribes outside or within sometimes large civilizations will become an important theme for us to study in April. The period between the cognitive revolution and the ensuing agricultural, industrial, scientific, and digital revolutions did not yield a comparable cognitive development that might have allowed humans to directly rule and directly socialize beyond the numbers that comprise a typical clan, about 150 people. Thus, narratives to create and sustain social constructs remained important from our first civilization to today. Only abstract narratives allowed us to cooperate in the tens of millions. No biological ability would permit humans to directly rule over or directly coordinate with large numbers of people. And when two civilizations meet, and this is the case today as well, the assumed shared truths of one society can have dire consequences for another. They may each believe that their particular assumptions concerning cosmic and human orders are correct. Narrative-driven social constructs can be so powerful that people will impose them on others under the assumption that these constructs are somehow self-evident and thus universal. Many civilizations start 
from the narrative that their ideology is uniquely tuned to reality and they therefore must conquer the world, that they must save all the quote-unquote ignorant people living in quote-unquote darkness. When done well, as discussed, foundational narratives can be deeply embedded and internalized and then not easily undone. Although initially inherently fragile, foundational narratives once internalized by the subconscious become arguably one of, if not the most powerful force behind international politics and warfare. Once citizens internalize foundational narratives, their subconscious minds will then defend them violently. According to Miguel Nicholas, all this complexity allows the human brain to generate all the attributes that define the human condition, the entirety of culture, history-making, and civilization. According to Steve Ann, many people stubbornly cling to the old distinction between the instinctive unconscious and rational consciousness with a preference for the latter, but this view is untenable. Unconscious processes greatly control our consciousness, where you direct your attention, what you remember, and the ideas you have, what you filter out from the flood of stimuli that bombard us, how you interpret them, and what goals you pursue. All these result from automatic processes. As neurobiologist Bo Lotto concludes, everything you do right now is grounded in your assumptions, not sometimes, but all the time. Now I want to move from foundational narratives, that is the root of the narrative tree, if you will, and move to narratives. That once we have cognitive constructs and imagined communities, we can then deploy narratives as weapons in war and tools in peace. Homo sapiens are voracious consumers of abstract stories. The cognitive revolution not only allowed people to create fictive stories, it also propelled Homo sapiens to consume imagine narratives voraciously. Human brains are hardwired to hear, enjoy, and remember narratives and to persuade and be motivated by them. Our brains are well-equipped to consume a quote-unquote good story. An exciting abstract story will activate hormones and neuromodulators that increase trust and sympathy, not only for the characters within a story, but for the storyteller herself. They heighten memory and are visceral investment. One might say that people are biologically tuned to devour certain types of abstract stories, or that human biology dictates the criteria for what makes a story compelling. A quote-unquote good story is able to lastingly influence the way we feel and think. One can go so far as to assert, according to screenwriter Nick Puzzolata, we're all born storytellers. It's part of our species. And according to author Carmine Gallo, that storytelling is not something we do. Storytelling is who we are. And according to novelist Neil Gaiman, stories are truer than truth. People are drawn to certain stories for meaning and also for certainty. People are not just drawn to any type of story. They are drawn to narratives that offer meaning and identity, stories that allow a person to make sense of herself and the world around her. Our brains work to reduce uncertainty and randomness and to compel us towards core stories that offer purpose to our lives. According again to renowned neurobiologist Bolado, 
And I quote, the stress resulting from uncertainty is tremendous in our society. It increases brain cell death. It decreases plasticity. It makes you a more extreme version of yourself. We do almost everything to avoid uncertainty. Every behavior that we do, we do to reduce uncertainty. We do it to increase certainty. These assumptions are essential for your survival. Every time, every time you take a step, your brain has hundreds of assumptions that the floor is not going to give way, that your legs aren't going to give up, that that's not a hole, it's a surface. So these assumptions actually keep us alive. Our brain evolved to take what is meaningless and make it meaningful. If you're not sure that was a predator, it was too late. So your brain evolved to take this meaningless data and make meaning from it. And that's the process of perception. And then we hold on to these assumptions. Thank you.